Well, we transition now to looking and hearing God's word proclaimed. Our passage that we're going to look at this morning is from uh, Matthew 11. If you have the the black Bibles uh, there, they're scattered among the chairs. You'll find Matthew 11 on page 816. We've started this new sermon series we're calling Knowing Jesus, seeking to look at the scriptures uh, to learn more about who Jesus is so that we can know him better. Not just know about him, but know him. Knowing, uh, understanding that, that knowing Jesus, that's, that's life. That's eternal life. Jesus himself said it. Uh, so we want to know Jesus better. Uh, we've already talked about the, the delight of Jesus, the welcome of Jesus this morning. It's the thanksgiving of Jesus. It's a good time to do that. As we're thinking about giving thanks, uh, looking in, at the scriptures and saying, well, what did, what did Jesus give thanks for? And here's one of the passages where we find Jesus giving thanks. And we'll take a look at it. The, the prayer of thanksgiving is found in verses 25 and 26. Uh, but we're going to back up a little bit and read starting in verse 20 and then going all the way to verse 30. Because as we'll see, the, the context is, is significant. So Matthew 11, we'll begin reading God's word at verse 20. Speaking of Jesus. Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done, because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than you. And you, Capernaum? Will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would, be, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you, it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would open your word to us, help us to have understanding. Uh, Lord, as we we come humbly, we ask, uh, Lord, help us to see the great things uh, that you have done and continue to do through your Son. For we do pray it in his name. Amen. Giving thanks is, it's kind of a big deal in the Bible. Uh, It's referred to as a key mark of what's wrong with the world, the failure to give thanks. That's Paul in Romans 1, as he's talking about what's, what's twisted and ugly and 
and, and sinful in the world, he, he points to one of the key marks. They knew God, but they failed to give thanks to him. Giving The failure to give thanks, one of the key marks of what's, what's ugly in the world. On the other hand, uh, this scripture talks about those who have been transformed, those who have been rescued, uh, and, and a key mark of their lives is that they are those who give thanks. And see, the same Apostle Paul, talking to almost every one of the churches he writes to, and always uh, in those letters, he's, he's pointing to the, the need to give thanks, that that's what the, the Christian life looks like. We're those who are thankful. He models it, he commands it. So you get that those two kind of poles there. Uh, failure to give thanks, a mark of what's wrong with the world, uh, <clears throat> and what's wrong with humanity, and a giving of thanks, a key mark of what it looks like to live as a believer uh, in, in our day. Uh, so, so how do you get from one to the other? Well, it's Jesus. Jesus is the one who fixes what's wrong so that we more and more look uh, like what uh, God is doing to transform. So it's good to talk about that Jesus in between. And that's really what the whole series we're doing is about, trying to know Jesus, uh, who transforms us and changes us, and, and while we're talking a lot this week about Thanksgiving, well, what was Jesus thankful for? Uh, what did he go out of his way to, to give thanks for? Uh, interestingly enough, there's only a handful of passages in Scripture, in the Gospels, that talk about Jesus giving thanks. Actually, only four occasions uh, do we find Jesus explicitly mentioning, uh, mentioned as giving thanks. Doesn't mean he, he didn't thank God more than that, thank his Father more than that. He no doubt did. But the gospel writers only mention it on four occasions. And here's one of them in Matthew 11. <clears throat> it's the one that's the longest, that we get the most detailed description. Uh, this must be pretty significant. What's Jesus giving uh, thanks for? Uh, and how does this encourage us uh, today, this week, and, and throughout our days? Well, first thing we want to take to heart is the context of this passage. Uh, context really is key. To, you got to understand what came before and what comes after because it, it, it helps us uh, not lose our way uh, in this very important prayer of thanksgiving for Jesus. So what comes, what comes before it? Well, it's what we read in the first few verses of our, of our reading. Uh, here is Jesus. He's, he's speaking about those cities, those towns that he, he ministered in, he traveled through, and did some of his most powerful, uh, most spectacular miracles. And uh, he knows that the, those very places happen to be the places where, uh, where the vast majority of people who saw those mighty works failed to believe in them, failed to understand. Uh, the, the miracles, you might know, uh, in the Gospels are not just fireworks to put on a show. Uh, they're Jesus specifically uh, uh, pointing to what he's there to do, what he's all about. Uh, the miracles give this, uh, this, or this sign that demonstrate God has just sent the king, uh, the, the, the rescuer, the long-awaited Messiah who brings the rescue that we desperately need. He's arrived. That's what the miracles proclaim. And here are these cities that have seen the, the, the best of the best of Jesus' miracles, and, and for the most part, they don't get it. They miss it completely. They miss Jesus completely. Everything the miracles point to. Um, and, and so when we get to verse 25, and we get to Jesus and his prayer of thanksgiving, 
And he starts talking about uh, these things, hidden from some, revealed to others. Uh, the these things that he's referring to is what came before. Uh, the, the, the significance of the miracles. In other words, these things, Jesus as the, as the king, as the savior, and the, the saving kingdom that he's bringing about. Uh, that's what, what uh, Jesus is talking about as these things. More on that in a second. So that's the context before, as Jesus thinks about those cities that have largely uh, rejected the salvation he, he brings. Uh, but then what comes after Jesus' prayer of thanksgiving? Uh, and, it's, and it's one of the most beloved passages uh, that, that in Scripture, at least to so many of us, um, verse 28. We actually quoted this one last week, if you were with us. Jesus saying, come to me, all you, are, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What a wonderful uh, message from Jesus, right? The, the welcome of the Savior, the call to come. You see, his, you see the heart of Jesus there in that, in that welcome. And we know uh, from Scripture that if you, if you see Jesus, you see the Father, right? He is God, and, and he is the perfect revelation of God. So if you want to know uh, the heart of God, you, you look at Jesus, and here you see it. Uh, it's, it's a heart of welcome. Come, he says, to the crowds. And that's important as we, before, as we transition into Jesus' prayer of thanksgiving, because what we'll see there uh, is, God, is Jesus talking about the Father's plan, God's sovereignty over all the details, especially God's sovereignty over salvation. Uh, the Bible, in other places, uses the word uh, God predestining, some to everlasting life, others passed by and hardened, staying hardened in their sin, and that that sovereign plan of God, and that and that God uh, choosing some and not others, that that can sound to our ears kind of cold, maybe calculating. Uh, maybe you've heard somebody even even mention, and when that topic comes up, you know, I, I don't know. It sounds like God is kind of calculating and cold and indifferent and you, you, here, you, there. It, it, you know, maybe you've thought that. I'm not sure I, I want to believe in a God like that. It sounds so, sounds so cold. Uh, it sounds so calculating. Um, well, maybe, maybe some Christians describe it in that manner, but that's not how the Bible talks about it. Uh, and, and you see it right here. The, the very Jesus who talks about this sovereign plan of God is the one who immediately, in that context, shows you the true heart that he has and the true heart of the Father. Uh, and it's the heart of welcome. As he says, come, come. And, he, and he's talking to everyone. Uh, it's not come you and you and you. Not talking to the rest of you, but you. no, no, no. He's, it's, it's everybody. He says, come. I'll give you rest. You see the heart of, uh, of the Savior. And so wherever else we see, and it's true things about the sovereign hand of the Lord and the sovereign plan of the Lord, it's not cold. Far from it. Uh, this is the plan of the, of the God who loves the undeserving and the God who welcomes and calls out uh, to the world to come. So that's the context. Okay, let's, let's dive in then to the actual prayer of Thanksgiving in 25 and 26. What is Jesus giving thanks for? Well, you notice he talks about things hidden and things revealed. Uh, we mentioned before uh, what the, these things are. Well, let's, let's read it again. Verse 25. 
Uh, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. These things, uh, right? That's, that's the good news of Jesus and his salvation. Uh, that, that's these things. And he says, these things are, are, are revealed to some and end up hidden from others. And Jesus says that it's not, it's not random. It's, it's not just kind of by chance. That this is the, this is the very plan of God. Uh, that, that God plans it out in this particular way. Uh, that these, these, this good news of rescue and salvation in Jesus and life in Jesus is revealed to some and hidden from others. The very plan of God, Jesus says. He even says, uh, such was your gracious will. Or you can even, you can even put it uh, translated as that which is well-pleasing to the Father. The plan of God. This is the way he wanted it. Now, we need to clarify one thing from the very beginning. As we talk about uh, this salvation being uh, revealed to some and hidden to others, uh, we want to be very careful to say that this isn't God revealing the good news to the good people and hiding the good news from the bad people. No. It's not what Jesus is talking about. According to the Bible and according to Jesus, we're all bad people. Uh, not one of us uh, deserves this rescue, deserves uh, this, uh, this good news of, of salvation. Uh, and quite the opposite, the Bible says that, that we're dead in our sins. And so if anybody's going to understand, yet alone believe in Jesus, they have to have God step in and change their heart, uh, make them alive, uh, completely undeserved. Uh, and so we're not talking about the good news goes to the good people and gets hidden from the bad people. Nope. All undeserving. Um, but Jesus does say that there is some specific details in, uh, in the plan. Uh, and Jesus says it's planned out, and all planned out in a way, to highlight the glory of God. Uh, to highlight the glory of God. See, uh, again, he says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, Right? Lord, he's the king over everything. Uh, and what does the king do uh, in his plan? Well, he's hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. The wise and understanding. That's, well, those the world sees as great, learned, powerful, influential, notable. The guys you want to listen to, says the world. Um, the, the kind of people who you would think, well, if, if anybody is going gonna, is gonna to get it, if anybody's going to be able to understand and figure it out, and, and it's something good, some good news, well, it's going to be these guys will get it. These guys will understand it, because come on, look who they are. Look who they are. Um, maybe we think uh, of, or should think, of the religious leaders in Jesus' day. Uh, those the, the Bible describes as, uh, the Pharisees or the scribes uh, or members of the, the Jewish ruling council. These would be those, those wise and understanding. Uh, sometimes, it, it, you know, when we're studying the Bible, we can hear those names and think, oh, they're the bad guys. But in that day, everyone thought of them as, oh, these are the smart guys. These are the holy guys. 
Right? If anybody is going to understand, if anybody is going to is going to get it, these guys certainly would. Because look, we look up to them, we follow them, we we trust what they say, and they look how how wise they look and how influential they are. Certainly, these guys uh, would get it. But then you read through the Gospels and you realize, with a couple exceptions, uh, these scribes, these Pharisees, are the very people who do not get it. Uh, They see uh, Jesus and they completely miss him, though he speaks clearly. Uh, They completely miss the miracles, uh, the the proclamation of the good news. They miss it completely. But who does get it? Uh, who does have their eyes opened to this good news of Jesus? Well, uh, in, in his prayer, Jesus says it's the little children. Now, these things are revealed to uh, the little children. Not little children just in the sense of age. It's, it's more of a, of a metaphor than that. Um, those who are unimpressive in, in world, worldly terms. Uh, those who are lowly. Those who are... Humble of, of stature and humble of circumstances. Uh, and, and, and Jesus says, these are the ones who have their eyes open, who, who the Father reveals the good news to. Again, go back to the, go back to the gospel stories. So you have the, you have the smart guys, you have the, the one every, ones everyone listens to, everyone who reveres. They, they're not getting it. Well, well who does get it? So page through Matthew or Luke or... Mark, who, who tends to understand? Well, it's exactly the people who are not very impressive. Right? Uh, again, with a couple exceptions, but for the most part, it's, it's exactly the unimpressive people, uh, the, un, the not-so-powerful, the not-so-influential, the forgotten-about, who, who start to get it. It's the notorious sinners, right? tax collectors, prostitutes, uh, it's those who are just unimpressive or, uh, or vulnerable or, or, un, or not very powerful positions in life. Uh, the lame, the blind, widows, uh, kids. Uh, these are the people who they see the same Jesus the Pharisees do, only they have their eyes open and they're trusting in him and they receive life. We actually uh, had a great example of this uh, last week. Uh, if you weren't here last week, we studied a passage from Luke 7. And here's Jesus. He's at, a, at the home of a, one of those great men, the Pharisees. Uh, it's a guy, a Pharisee by the name of Simon. And Jesus is at his house. And in comes this notoriously sinful woman uh, who, who anoints Jesus' feet. Uh, and you find out as the, the conversation goes on that this woman uh, is believing and trusting in Jesus. And Jesus sends her off forgiven and with peace, and you find out that it's the, it's the Pharisee who's completely clueless. Right, so you get in that one scene an example of what Jesus is talking about. There you have the one individual, Simon, wise, understanding, and there you have the other individual, uh, little children, uh, little child, the, the woman, not very impressive, uh, not very uh, revered. Right, Simon, everybody wants to be at his house. Uh, the woman, nobody wants to get near her. Uh, and yet who, who has salvation open to them? Who is rescued? Who walks away in peace and forgiveness? It's not the, the smart guy. Uh, it's not the influential one. It's the one who's not very impressive. And, and here's Jesus saying, thank you, Father, for planning it that way. Thank you, Father, for planning it that way. It's not just, it's not just 
well, this is the way it's going to happen. It's, thank you, Father, that you planned it that way. Why in the world would God plan it that way? Maybe you can maybe you can start to start to put the pieces together. Why Jesus would be so thankful that this is the plan? Well, actually, we read about it this morning in 1 Corinthians 1. Uh, Paul there is reflecting on the very same phenomenon. Uh, let me just read you two verses that we read. He says in 1 Corinthians 1 27, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. At the end of the passage, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. So, there Paul's describing the same thing Jesus is describing. Uh, and Paul gives a little more of the, of the why and what God's up to. That God's very plan uh, is designed in such a way that the, the, the pride of humanity uh, is humbled. And what is exalted but God and his glory? So that if anybody is going to boast rightly in any way that makes sense, if anybody's going to say, aha, confidence, it's got to be a boast in the Lord and not in themselves. Because what, what's the problem with, with the world? What's the problem really with all of us? That, that by nature, we want to boast in ourselves. That's what we want by nature, right? I can do it myself, or at least I should be able to do it myself. Um, I can figure it out by myself, or at least I should be able to figure it out by myself. Uh, it's all about me, or at least it should be all about me, right? Boast in ourselves when it comes to doing it all, knowing it all, uh, who's at the center of it all. Right? We want to boast in ourselves. But you see, that's the very, that's the very lie uh, that, that destroyed and uh, he, that's destroying humanity, that's causing the fall, that caused the fall, that's what's wrong and ugly in, in our lives and which brings uh, ugliness because it's, it is, it's a lie. Uh, we're not all-knowing, all-powerful, all about us, uh, but God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. Uh, it's all about him and his glory. So what God is doing in his plan of salvation is, is writing things that we, we tore down, uh, that we, we twisted, uh, taking what we want to boast in ourselves, and he's, doing his, he's bringing about his rescue in such a way that that boast is, in ourselves is, is brought low. The pride of humanity is brought low. And so what is exalted? The one who is really always exalted, which is the Lord. Uh, his power, and his glory. It's what's good for us, and it's what's what's gl most glorifying to God. Uh, right? The other way around only destroys us and attempts to steal his glory. And so Jesus understandably says, thank you, Father, that you've planned it this way. Right? In such a way that the, that the very thing that's wrong with the world, the pride of humanity, is brought low. Uh, and, and the very thing that's, uh, that's, that's right and true, the glory of God is exalted. Thank you, Father, that you planned it that way. So what do we do with this? What do we, what do we kind of take home? This is what Jesus is thanking God for. Here we are, Thanksgiving week. What do, we, what do we take home from this? Well, let me suggest two things. First, that it spurs us to thanksgiving for our salvation. Deeper 
and richer thanksgiving for our salvation. Um, if you noticed in that First Corinthians passage we read a, a few minutes ago, uh, that Rob read, how Paul transitions from talking about God's plan kind of theoretically uh, to then talking about the Corinthians in, in the pews. And he kind of says, well, well, think about yourselves. You're not very wise, Paul says. Uh, not many of you are wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you powerful. Not many of you are of noble birth. Paul says, look around, Christians. You and I are not very impressive people. We're, we're for the most part, not the super wise, the super powerful, uh, the influential, uh, the, the beautiful and noteworthy. and the, the, Yeah, that's not us. If, if life were a fifth grade kickball game, you know, fifth grade, recess, kickball, got to choose teams, the two cool kids stand up. If life were a uh, fifth grade kickball game, you and I would not be chosen first. Because Paul says, you look around. You're not very impressive. But how amazing it is that it's precisely those that the world says, eh, or doesn't even notice, that God sets his love on people like us. That God draws to himself to say, I, 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 want, I want them at, at my banquet table. We're going we're gonna to sing a closing hymn in a few minutes where God uses that image of, of, of a banquet table and, and those, his people, are uh, come to that banquet table. Great, great Thanksgiving week image. Great fellowship meal Sunday image, right, right, right? A banquet table and God calling his people, having them come. Uh, and, and there's this great line in that hymn uh, that, that goes like this. Uh, talking about God's people, believers, us. He says, each of us cries with thankful tongue, Lord, why was I a guest? Why was I a guest? We, we cry with, with thankful tongue. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I, I, it doesn't make sense. Me? You? Why was I a guest? And what it, what it takes us back to is just how amazing our salvation really is. Uh, that, that we are not deserving. Uh, that we are not only unimpressive in the eyes of the world, uh, but in our own right spiritual state, sinners in God's sight. And yet God, in his undeserved, amazing, startling love, uh, calls us, has us come, and, and he says he wants us to sit at his at his banquet table and feast with him, even for, for all eternity. And so when we take that in, uh, and Jesus' prayer again highlights it, uh, we have to only increase in, in our thanksgiving for, for that salvation. Lord, thank you. I, why was I a guest? Why was I a guest? That's really the whole Christian life. Uh, it's, it's, where we, it's where we start the Christian life. And it's really every day along the way. Lord, I thank you. Why was I a guest? Uh, sometimes, sometimes that can be easier at the beginning of the Christian life. 
Uh, a lot of us, when we first came to trust in the Lord Jesus, uh, we, we felt pretty discouraged about who we are. Like, Lord, my life's a mess. I need a Savior. That was good, right? Uh, so the, the sense of, thank you, I, I'm undeserving, comes very natural at that point. Uh, but sometimes as we go along in the Christian life, we can feel a little bit better about ourselves. Well, I was a mess then, but I'm looking a little better now. I mean, come on, I, I know the Bible pretty well. I go to the right kind of church, and I do a few religious things. And no, I'm not perfect, but nobody is. And, and I certainly look better than that guy over there out there or that person over there out there. Yeah, I guess I'm not doing okay. Not doing too bad. The very pride that God needed to save us from in the first place. Look how great I am. And that's exactly what God wants to do. He wants to take us back uh, to, to the fact that we are undeserving. And even any growth we have in Christ it is all his mercy and his grace given to us. And so that every step along the way, we can, we can and should say, Lord, why was, why was I against? Why are you still inviting me to your banquet table and still wanting me here and still drawing me? Lord, thank you. A deep, deep thanksgiving uh, for, for our salvation. Uh, and and if, you, if you've never trusted in the Lord Jesus, uh, maybe this talk of salvation just sounds strange, or, or maybe it's because uh, you, you've, you've wrestled with it, but, but you just haven't put your faith in Jesus uh, as the one to rescue you. Then the thing I want you to really focus on this morning is those words of Jesus that follow this prayer up, where he says, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Yeah, it's a rest for your soul. It's a rest from sin and from the, from the death uh, that, we, that we deserve, that eternal death. And Jesus just says, come. He's the Savior. He's the rescuer. That's what we all need. Uh, and he calls. He calls you. He calls me. Come, I'll give you, I'll give you rest. Put your faith in this Christ and, and have rest for your soul. So, one, one uh, response, one take-home from this prayer of thanksgiving is it should spur in us a real thanksgiving for our salvation. But I also think it gives us a real hope as we ponder the world around us. A real hope as we ponder the world around us. Uh, we'll see, as we sing that hymn I mentioned, uh, that we're going to sing in a minute, uh, we'll see in that hymn how the, 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 the writer talks about his own salvation, right? Lord, why was I a guest? But then he, he makes a transition to start thinking about the nations around, the, the world around. Uh, it, it, it makes sense. Um, but, but it's precisely looking at, at the world around us that can often have us feeling very hopeless. It is. It's, it's, it's discouraging, isn't it? Right? All you tend to hear uh, is you know, just how ugly things are. Right, wars, and it seems like they can only get worse. All right, bad things in the, in the culture, and it seems like it only could get worse. The, the loud voices uh, here and there, it sounds not great, and it feels like maybe it can only get worse. It can be very, uh, feel very hopeless. Um, but take Jesus' prayer of thanksgiving. Let's, let's take that prayer of thanksgiving, and let's, let's hold it up to kind of the, the world out there. And, and, and see if it maybe helps us. It maybe gives us hope. I think it does. So again, uh, world out there, let's hold up Jesus' prayer. Read it again. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, 
that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. If what Jesus said is true, that's the plan of the Father. Reveal things to the wise and understanding, or hide things from the wise and understanding, reveal them to little children. If that is true, then what would you expect to see out in the world around us? You'd expect to see that those who seem like the most powerful, uh, the most influential, uh, the most uh, sought after and listened to, uh, the things you'd hear on the news, the, the voices that get touted online as, as influential, that they would be the very people who would not get Jesus at all. That's kind of exactly what we tend to see, for the most part. And Jesus says, oh yeah, that's, that's exactly the plan. No surprise. That the powerful things in the world, the loudest voices, uh, the, 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 the big, and, and it doesn't seem like they're, they're getting uh, the good news at all. But that's only part of it. Because what's the other part? Hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Right? So, so what would you expect to see if that were true? That there would be uh, there would be people coming to know the Lord, being transformed by the gospel, but yet they're the little children. They're the, they're the kind of names you never hear on the news. They're kind of the kind of people who, who nobody quotes online. Uh, who no influencer touts as, as this is something to pay attention to. Uh, they're, they're, just, they're just little children. And yet they're being transformed by the power of the gospel. Uh, this, this summer I, I uh, picked up a book someone had given me. And it's a, about a missionary who ministered in Africa in the, in the early 90s, ministered among really persecuted uh, believers. And he was just so, didn't know how to, how to really care in that context, and so um, how to minister well. So he decided he was going to learn more about how believers grow in the midst of in the midst of really really difficult persecution. So one of the things he did was he he traveled really around the world, went specifically to those lands who were either in the midst of persecution or had it in their recent history. So he went to Southeast Asia, went to Communist China. Uh, went to Eastern Europe and, and Russia and met with all kinds of believers and heard all these stories. Uh, here was one that, that, that struck me, a story that came out of, out of Russia, out of the Soviet Union back in the communist days. It was about uh, this, this everyday guy, just a kind of a common laborer uh, in a kind of small Soviet village, and he, he was, was a believer, and he just kind of read his Bible, and he kind of would talk about the scripture to his kids and his family, and they'd, they'd come and listen, and, and a couple of neighbors would come, and, and they'd want to hear him talk about the Bible, and then some more neighbors would come, and more and more, until basically the entire village was coming to him and wanting to just hear more about the Bible and this Jesus. And this revival is breaking out in this, in this little nowhere town. Uh, of course, all that's illegal, uh, as he's starting to say, well, I guess, I guess we're a church, and I guess I'm the pastor, and of course, all that's illegal. So yeah, eventually he gets found out and he's thrown into Soviet prison. But sure enough, there, God works in the midst of hardship. God's doing this amazing thing in the Soviet prison. And, and it's just this powerful, really 
fascinating story. And it, it captured my attention because, well, I, I was old enough where, where a lot of my growing up years were still in Cold War times. What? When, when, when things were still like, like this is a big deal. I, I, I remember eighth grade social studies class taking copious notes as the teacher went over uh, just how many megatons were in uh, Soviet hydrogen bombs and, and just how the different possibilities were that they could target those intercontinental missiles to, to blow up the United States. They could do it this way, they could do it that way. Here I am taking notes. Because that was, that was current events. That was where we were at the time. Do you know what we, we never heard about or took notes on in that eighth grade class? Not a single note was taken about that Soviet guy in that little village and what happened around him. Didn't take a single note on that guy. Because nobody knew his name. Nobody knew him. We're only finding out about him some 35 years later. Uh, and even them, it's, it's, it's not many. Right? That eighth grade class didn't know anything about that. We knew about the wise, the powerful, the big names in the in the in the Kremlin and the KGB and you know we, we knew about the big, the loud, the and that looked all bad. We didn't hear anything about the little children and the powerful work of God that He was doing uh, in, in quiet places. And Jesus says, "Yeah, that's exactly the plan of God. Thank you, Father, for doing that." And so I think that gives us a real a real hope as we look at the world around us. Uh, as we hear loud voices and things don't look so good, I don't know where it's going. Don't, don't ask me about current events and what's going to happen in the Middle East. I don't know. Uh, but I can tell you what Jesus says, which is the very plan of God, is that for the most part, the wise, the powerful, the loudest voices, uh, the good news of Jesus is going to be hidden from them. But, but in the very same good and powerful plan of God, the, the names that you and I will never hear about or maybe in 35 years. Uh, the, the stories of, of powerful transformation, it's happening among little children. That's, that's how you and I came to faith, right? It wasn't because our name was talked about in an eighth grade history class. Uh, it, it, it's because God worked among little children. And that's, that's something to give thanks for. Uh, that's what Jesus gives thanks for. Uh, it gives us a greater uh, and more joyful understanding of, of our salvation and how undeserved and wonderful it is. It also gives us a real hope about what God is doing in our world. So let's pray. Father, we do thank you. Even, even taking that prayer of Jesus, thank you for, for your good and, and sovereign plan. Uh, even though there might be details that, that we can't wrap our minds around, uh, but we know that you're good, and we see even a, even a hint of your good purpose and plan uh, to glorify your name, to, to, to rescue uh, and, uh, a people to be your very own, even, even us. Thank you, Lord. Uh, we praise you for it. Increase our thankfulness and our, and our hope in you, for we do ask it in Jesus' name.